Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So every summer, my family and some close friends would all travel from Southern California to the eastern Sierra Nevada mountains along the CANV border to the town of Bridgeport. If you've ever been, it's a really cool area. A big biker route is there, excellent outdoor camping and hiking in Yosemite high country rich in wildlife, crazy old history with native tribes and the gold rush of the west. It has Bodie Ghost Town nearby and my favorite is the world-class trout fishing. Mark Twain even once stayed in the town way back in the day, which I thought was pretty cool. The town is small and has your typical 20 building Main Street USA to match the feel, all surrounded by rivers, lush meadows with cattle and horse ranches, and absolutely gorgeous wooded snow-capped mountains. We would often camp up near Twin Lakes just outside of town about 10 miles, but always made a point to go to town for dinner at this bar Reno's for pizza and beer as well, at least once during the trip. So, one night we do this. And afterwards, we're on our way back to camp at twilight. Just light enough to make out the peaks on the horizon, but still densely dark with billions of stars out in force. This road back to the camping area would sort of zigzag through the square-cut properties of ranch land. It's a narrow two lanes edged by barbed wire and an irrigation channel and minimal streetlights, if any at all. Literally, you can only think of one installed by the dude ranch out there. So, we drive back to the camp having to use our lights due to the dark and making sure to keep an eye out for deer. And when we finally pull into the camp, my mum immediately asks, Did you see that kid in the swimsuit on the side of the road? Perplexed and a little amused by the idea, I say, No, where was this? On the other side of the road, near the cows. He was shirtless walking along the road. I had been driving behind her and my dad... And there was no way that I could have missed this had someone been there. Nobody in our car saw him too and my dad said that he didn't either when she initially saw him. Which, if I'm being honest, is not really shocking for my dad though. However, also not shocking would be for my mum seeing something paranormal. 
It always seemed to follow her for whatever reason, and she was dead, excuse the pun, serious. Even described the color of the shorts, his hairstyle, said that he was walking the same direction that we were traveling, so she couldn't see his face and had to have been in his 20s. So we half-jokingly jumped to that conclusion that maybe it was in fact a ghost. After all, it was dark and late. Nobody else had seen him, and even in the summer, the Sierra is high enough in elevation and has crazy enough weather to easily kill someone who wasn't prepared for the cold night, especially shirtless in swim trunks. On a clear night in August, I've woken up in the teens for temperature, and where she was describing was in the literal middle of nowhere in those fields. It takes us about 20 minutes just to drive it at a good speed, let alone walk it to camp in the dark, but... I guess anything is possible. Anyway, the next morning we get up and learn about my idiot friend, someone who got scratched in a previous story that I've told, left the cooler out after the rest of us went to bed, and a bear got a buffet out of us, so we decided that we'll make the most of it and go back to town for supplies, some further fishing spots, and get dinner again. This time on the way back to the camp, I'm driving in front of my parents, zigging and zagging through the fields when all of a sudden there's a bright set of headlights on my tail. Looking back, I could tell that this had to be some sort of lifted truck, maybe a Bronco or similar rearing up on my SUV. So close at times that I thought he was about to ram me. I start speeding up a little at first, but this car stays right on me. I'm starting to get annoyed and concerned. After all, this was a two-lane road at night that anyone wanting to pass could very easily and safely do so, and there isn't any area that you could really pull over without risking pulling into a ditch and getting stuck. So I continue speeding up, but I'm getting concerned because I know the hills are coming up and there are deer by the thousands in this area, but this car just keeps pressing. My wife, then girlfriend, and friends start getting a little freaked as well, thinking about the backwoods human being that is pulling this, and this continues through the fields until I get to the final turn before it goes from meadows to woods, and I get a really heavy gut feeling, almost like a scream in my head to slow down. So, do or die, I start pressing the brakes hard, fully expecting this truck to ram us, as I do this, we're coming around the corner and, sure enough, there's a pack of six or so deer in the middle of the road. I was immediately a little shaken. It's always a little startling when you see animals out in the dark while driving, especially big ones, and but then it dawns on me that I'm not being blinded anymore and we definitely didn't get hit. I look back in the mirror and the lights are gone, just gone. No dust in the rear brake lights from a vehicle pulling off the road, nothing screaming by us in the other lane and no road for them to have even turned off on or headlights lighting up the trees or area or anything. And then I see my folks coming driving up behind us. All of us are dumbfounded trying to figure out where the heck this person went. The deer clear the road and we make the rest of the drive to camp. An adrenaline admittedly gets me a bit irritated, so I start ranting off about how stupid this guy was and how we could have died and blah blah blah, really making everyone feel good, right? When we get out of the cars, my mum immediately starts giving me the typical parent talk, but 
I get even more angry when she calls me an idiot for taking off like that on such a dangerous road in the dark and how lucky I am to not have killed us with all those deer and how I need to be more careful, etc. Well, if that guy hadn't have been riding my tail so tightly, it wouldn't have been such an issue, I say. What are you talking about, she responds. There wasn't anyone behind you. Oh, how the tables have turned. Luckily for me, my wife and friends had experienced everything with me and they start chiming in about the truck and I start talking about how I finally had enough and listened to my gut and reason, deciding to slow down just as we came to find this deer and how the truck was just gone after that. It gave my mum chills and she apologised but told me to be careful next time, but then started laughing and saying how weird the trip had been. I'll give this to my mum that she never did call us crazy for what we experienced in life, which is something that I think a lot of parents neglect to do for their kids. It's funny too because I've always heard similar experiences from country towns back east or folklore of ghost trucks and thought that how stupid it all sounded. But now, after experiencing it, man, it is dangerous. Plain dangerous. I'd never wish that on anyone. This road hasn't given us any issues before or since then too, but I'll admit that I drive it with a lot more caution these days. I always wonder though if the shirtless guy and the truck were somehow connected, but never found anything out about it. I guess in the end, only God knows. When I was 15 or so, me and my group of friends all slept over at the leader of our friend's group's house. This dude lived in the most absolutely rural area of our rural town, basically in the middle of the woods, a house just absolutely surrounded by thick walls of trees. In the evening, we decided to go out and start a bonfire deep in the woods, so we packed up, got all of our materials, and went straight out into the woods. On the way to the spot that we'd be making our campfire at, he told us about how messed up and creepy his woods are and the numerous things that he's seen. White, skinny figures peeking around his shed, staring at him and running off when he looked at it, screaming and whispers from the woods, figures watching him, all that stuff. It definitely set the mood pretty well. By around 7 at night, we had the campfire set up and it was pitch black outside as it was the middle of winter in New Hampshire. I can still remember just how creepy the whole vibe was that night too. You could not see a single thing besides the ring of light coming out from the fire. Everything else was just a black wall of nothingness. And the sound of the forest was so quiet that it was almost deafeningly loud if we didn't talk. We ended up needing more firewood or whatever that we were using for the campfire, along with some other things, so the leader takes me with him to go get it. Without a flashlight or any light source, me and him walk the mile and a half long trail back to his house in complete and utter darkness. And it was all good. We were talking, joking with each other, having a good time just hanging out when the first noises started. He immediately made me stop talking too. To my left and my right was a bunch of different sounds. Screaming, laughing, talking and whispering, shouting, people saying inaudible words. 
It sounded like there was maybe 20 people around us. The natural light vision had set in a decent amount and I looked over at my friend who had his head down and didn't say a single word. Known for being a complete goofball and a wild funny dude, I had never seen him look so shaken and serious in my life. He had this look to him that still kind of haunts me to this day. As we knew him and he portrayed himself as this fearless leader type of our group. And seeing him so shaken up and afraid was really, really unsettling. I started to say something along the lines of, What the heck is that? Before he cut me off and told me to be quiet, face forward, and to not pay attention to any of the sounds. I did what he said, and the next three or so minutes was uncomfortable and terrifying. I remember feeling sick to my stomach, in fact. By the time that we reached his house, the sounds had sort of dissipated and stopped. We both grabbed what we needed to grab in silence, and that's when I could really listen to the sheer quietness of that night. No birds, no sticks falling, no sound, absurdly silent. We walked back to the campsite and nothing else occurred that night, but it is still the most unsettling and bizarre experience that I have almost no explanation of. This could be a paranormal experience, although I'm still not ready to say that I know for sure. Whatever it was though, it definitely had me terrified. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So I grew up in Orange County, CA, but there were some real wild areas around us, believe it or not. In high school, we went out of this place called Black Star Canyon in the Cleveland National Forest big densely wooded area of oak that stretches from OC to San Diego, almost to the border even. It also contains Marine Corps base camp Pandelton and anyways, we had been told that it was haunted growing up. Turns out, true story, there was a, a tribe up there that was slaughtered in the 1800s by hired four trappers because they kept stealing the Mexican ranchers' horses for meat. But for a dumb set of high schoolers, we planned a night hike to this place. My friends and I did stuff like this all the time, but I consider myself pretty skeptical, and luckily most of us were pretty level-headed. This area is pretty well known for mountain lions too, so we were all on guard and in agreement to turn around at any sign, even if just one of us wanted to. So, the way the trail works, 
You park at a forestry gate and start to walk along an old asphalt sort of narrow road that's mostly dirt from when there was sparse horses in the 50s or 60s before the floods washed them out and the land was committed to NFS, eventually turning to a full hiking trail. Along this road is a line of barbed wire as well with all kinds of signs warning you not to cross. So here we are. Typical idiots walking a road on a hardly slivered moon pitch black night after midnight and not using our flashlights to add to the flare. And well, as we go and adventure deeper and deeper down this road, which we'd never been on mind you, I keep seeing what appears to be a cowboy leaning on the wooden fence posts holding the barbed wire, just kind of leaning on it but distinctly looking at us. I'm talking like a full-blown cowboy brimmed hat just leaning but... It's sort of just a silhouette out of the side of my eye and every time that I look straight on, there's nothing. I'm telling myself that I'm being illogical and push it off as a trick of the eyes to keep my cool but I keep seeing this guy every 10 or so posts that don't say anything to the others. We get to a point where we've been walking for maybe over an hour and debate on heading back just because of the time. Just then though, my friend goes... Yeah, I keep thinking that I'm seeing a cowboy along the fence line. I instantly felt my stomach drop out of me. I couldn't believe it. These were plain wooden fence posts, maybe a typical four feet tall or so with mostly field behind them. No way that that looks like a person, so I open up about it also and we all agree to turn around. But just then my other buddy starts flipping out ripping his shirt off, screaming about getting stung by something. We're all kind of confused, looking at him like he's crazy, but he insists that a bee or something just stung him. So we turn our lights on his back and watch as three distinct scratches from sort of stretching from one shoulder diagonal to the opposite hip, even drawing blood, were on his back. We were done, needless to say, after that, but we made it back to the car without any further incident. Now, you can probably argue the shadow was coincidence in the dark and shapes playing tricks on our eyes. Sure, I'll give you that much. But throwing the scratch in a way that we'd watched happen right as we were discussing this ghost cowboy, and in a way that there's just no possible way he could have done that to himself, and none of us standing in a circle did it to him, there has to be something going on, right? This area ended up being used by Jack Osborne's show Haunted Highway in his pilot episode too. It's pretty cool and I've been back since then but only in the day. California has more to it than you'd imagine I suppose but this is just one story of many that I've experienced out here. So this encounter actually isn't mine, it was told to us, and the guy who told us this, his name was Mark. Mark is a man that specializes in removing asbestos. Being a man that works in a trade, he probably has seen and heard some strange things in his time. And well, Mark came to remove some, as you guessed it, asbestos from our kitchen ceiling. He had to set up a test first to see if the asbestos was dangerous or not, this roughly took around an hour. My mum made him a cup of tea. They both sat down in the living room and began a conversation that led to the following story while waiting for the test to be done. It was a normal day in the trade. Wake up, get ready, head out. Mark had a job located in a sort of loft or attic this day. 
so he wasted no time and got straight to the house that needed work. Upon arrival, Mark knocked into the house and was greeted by a woman who was the wife of the man of the house. Mark explained who he was and what he does and why he was there. He also specified that he needed to speak with her husband for whatever reason. The lady then told Mark that he was not at home and hasn't been so for like three days. Mark then questioned the lady about her husband. He's been missing for three days now. He does this from time to time. He'll just disappear out of the blue and won't have contact with anyone for several days, she said. Okay, that's weird. Maybe he's been having an affair? Anyhow, Mark told the lady that he had to start the job today, so she let him in and she had no other choice, really. Mark then heads up into the loft with his tools, and this is where it gets really creepy. Mark is instantly greeted with the body of the husband hanging from the attic ceiling. The husband, he wasn't missing at all. He was in fact in the attic for three days straight, dead. The man had unfortunately ended himself and must have been planning it for a while if the disappearing was a regular recurrence. But the thought of even going to sleep while your husband is above your head like that, that's a crazy thought. I'm really sorry to whoever has experienced something like this or to anyone who has lost someone to suicide like this. But I felt compelled to share this story because I guess we should always be grateful for those in our lives. So to set the scene, it was my significant other, a two-year-old, and myself in a one-bedroom apartment. The two-year-old's bed was close to the wall by the door and our bed was on the other side of the room but to where I could see our two-year-old and also see the bathroom door which was located just outside the room. So it first started out with, I don't know, like minor bad feelings. The usual walk into the apartment and feel that something is off sort of vibe. Just bad vibes all around. One night though, while we were sleeping, I had woken up to a strange feeling that our two-year-old was up to something that she shouldn't have been. The room is completely dark, so I sit up to have a sort of look around and almost immediately this small shadow catches my eye. It's my two-year-old. She's standing at the entrance of the bathroom looking back at me and then proceeded to sidestep into the bathroom out of view. I wake up my significant other and ask them, Hey, wake up. Why is our two-year-old out of their bed? How did they climb out? What are you talking about? They're in their crib, asleep. My eyes finally adjusted to the dark and I see my two-year-old sleeping peacefully in their crib. My heart starts picking up pace at this point as I'm trying to figure out who did I just see walk into our bathroom. So I get out of bed and I rush into the bathroom ready to catch whoever it is. I flip on the light but... The bathroom is completely empty. It's just me staring at my reflection in the mirror. I turn off the light and head back to bed confused about what had just happened and not too sure what I saw. Fast forward a few nights and I'm still thinking about what just happened. There I am in my bed next to my significant other with two-year-old sound asleep. Again, I wake up to this strange feeling like we're being watched. I open my eyes my body is still. I'm paralyzed, trapped in my own body. My eyes search across the room and I look at the door to our bedroom and what I saw made my heart stop. 
there was this man at our bedroom door, but something about him was off, completely, like he was something otherworldly in a man's body. He was more shadow than detail, and his posture hunched like he was trying to be quiet, like he was stalking prey. The shadow man begins to creep towards me, lurching closer to our bed. My mind is racing. I'm thinking, tonight's the night. An invader has finally entered our home and I was the only one awake. I start planning my attack and what I'm going to do to defend my family, but my body is still immobilized. The intruder, though, then does the unthinkable. He places one foot on my bed, then the other, and slowly starts creeping higher and higher up the bed. He's standing over me and... In the quick moment of fear that I was able to break out of and kick both my legs up towards the shadow man, hoping to catch him by surprise and ready to leap at him, as I kicked up, I felt the weight of my blanket fly off my body. I wasn't going to wait to hear the sound of a thud as he fell back. I was in fight or flight and my only focus was jumping on this thing as fast as possible and keeping my family safe. My violent kick wakes my significant other up in panic. I get up ready to pounce when I see that there's no one there. What is going on? There was a man in our room. I kicked him. He was right there. The room is empty and dark. No man, no intruder, no sound. The silence is broke by my wife telling me to check the rest of the apartment. And after I looked around, there was nobody there. I go back to bed and try to sleep, but my adrenaline was still pumping, so sleep wasn't really on the table that night. A few months after this event, we decide to move and upgrade to a bigger place to live, and since moving there, there hasn't been any of the bad vibes at the apartment. No shadow man, no little girl, just the three of us, thankfully. Growing up in the 90s, I spent a lot of time outside just playing with the neighborhood kids. I didn't live in the greatest neighborhood though, so I couldn't really go out exploring, but all of my neighbors had kids my age, except one. It was an old house with a garage across the yard and stuff piled up so high in the windows that you couldn't see inside. The only noticeable objects were an old Barbie camper and a teddy bear with a missing ear. I knew that somebody was living there though because their ugly and I mean ugly red Chevy car would leave the driveway right at noon and wouldn't come back until like 9pm. And one night it came back and the next day there was a boy standing in the yard shouting and waving at me. I was playing in an old dip in my backyard where a tree had been cut down when I saw him. I remember sort of being confused as well but I was a kid and was excited to meet someone new that was my age. I found out his name was Brandon and I would always invite him to play outside after school. My mum didn't question me about my new friend so she let him come play in the backyard. I never saw him at school and he said that his grandma taught him from the house. I didn't want to play with the other neighborhood kids as much as I wanted to play with Brandon so the two of us formed our own little group and we played in that dip in my backyard. Nobody really questioned it until... I told my mum that I wanted to have school at my house like Brandon. She finally asked me where I met Brandon and I told her that he lived in the dirty house on Harrison. I remember the look on my mum's face being confused and concerned at first but then she laughed in my face and told me that I was being ridiculous. 
Brandon was my imaginary friend because nobody had lived in that house since the 70s. I got mad at her and said that I would prove that Brandon was real and that he would be outside the next day. But he never showed up. In fact, I waited for him every day for quite some time, but I never saw him again. Eventually, we moved across town into an apartment and I made new friends and forgot about Brandon, but a few years ago, I felt nostalgic and decided to go for a drive through my old neighborhood. Not much had changed and seeing the old neighborhood made me happy and brought back a lot of fun memories until I passed that old house, that is. It was obviously abandoned, but after all these years, the old Barbie camper and the teddy bear with the missing ear was still in that window. I saw that and laughed at how I'd stuck to the idea that my imaginary friend was real until I saw my ball. An old ball with my name written on it in big black ink was clearly visible from the window. The rainbow colors made it stick out like a sore thumb. I had lost that ball around the same time that I'd first met Brandon. And I mean, maybe one of the neighborhood kids had stolen it years ago and had hidden it away and I just now saw it and took notice of it. Maybe Brandon was just a figment of my overactive childhood imagination. Or maybe there was someone watching me back then and I was too innocent to see anything else other than a new friend. Thinking about it does creep me out a bit, but more than anything, I wish that I just had some answers. I mean, if he really was real, if he was another kid playing a prank, or if he was a lost spirit and it bothers me that I'll never really have the answers. But I'll always have the memories, I guess, if they're accurate. As creepy as the memories are, they do make me happy and pique my curiosity. But I do have to wonder if maybe there really was a kid there. And maybe I was being coaxed into something. Who knows? So, I haven't really shared this, but I had an experience about a year ago now that I just cannot stop thinking about. You see, I was fast asleep, but having horrible nightmares. Nightmares are nothing new for me, being former military and current firefighter EMT. But these weren't the typical reliving bad days nightmares. They were vivid dreams about bad things happening to friends and family. Things that never happened in real life. I woke up drenched in a sweat and immediately became aware of a, a large black figure leaning over me and another one seated in a, a chair across the room. I immediately thought, so this is what sleep paralysis is like because I've never experienced it before. But I quickly realized that I wasn't actually paralyzed. I could in fact move. Once I moved my arm, the figure leaning over me seemed to notice this as well, stood up and took a step back. Then both figures just faded away. Now, I've had paranormal experiences my entire life, but there have only been two or three times that truly terrified me, and that was definitely one. It happened once, and I'd never seen the figures or had those nightmares since that night, and I thought that I would open it for discussion to see what other people think might have happened that night. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. 
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.